Hey everybody, welcome back to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to be a church. What is that thing that um, the problem with is is answering questions nobody's asking? Yes, right. That's <laughs> what, right. <laughs> who is saying, what does it mean to be a church? But we are going to answer yeah, that. We are going to so answer that. Right now. My name is Curtis Childs, in case you, it's another question nobody's asking. And this is Dr. Jonathan Rose, hey, series editor of the New Century Edition. Hey, Curtis. Uh, of the Theological Works of Emmanuel Swedenborg. Thanks for coming. Hey, good fun. All of you, thanks for coming as well. I re we realize you took a big risk watching this tonight. Uh, what we're going to do is what we always do. We're going to explain what it means to be a church and associated material, or church is being this week the keyword, and we're going to do it in steps, in stages. We're mm. delving. If this is your first time watching, then we're, we're exploring Swedenborg, and you're going to see exactly what that means as we go. But I just thought this would be, they'd be like, what weird corner of life? Is this <laughs> did I stumble that we're here? unearthing here? And so just just watch. We're going to show, not tell, and we're going to show in these segments here. First, we're going to like, as you can tell, we're sort of like clawing for things to say. So we're going to try to get our sort of conversation engines revving yes, by doing the icebreaker question. And as that's asked, we want all of you to be answering it on the web as well. We're going to talk about our Swedenborg keywords for the week. Go on a road trip through the afterlife, take questions and answer them as best as we can, meet somebody from the audience, and then get your answers to this first question. That's the progression. Does that seem legit? Yeah, that's a nice summary. Then let's get to it. We're going to break the ice right now. All right, so... While this is happening, we're going to be answering on screen. You guys know the drill. If this is not your first time, you answer in the chat room because we want to hear. We're trying to figure out what, um, how does this Swedenborg stuff interface with human beings? Right. What can it do for us? What does it mean to us? We want to ask you, we want to hear what you guys are getting from it and through it as much as what we're getting from it and through it because we're trying to, like, do we have something that can be valuable? Mm -hmm. to human beings and, and to human experience. So we, this is why we need your input for this kind of stuff. So what we want you to be answering in the chat, and we'll be gathering them and looking at it at the end, is this humble question here. Oh, I mean, it's not low yet. What is one of Swedenborg's ideas that you'd want the whole world to know? And that fits with it because, yes, mm. you, you don't want... Um, you don't want to go talk about something that doesn't have anything in it that you wouldn't want to share with the whole world, right? <laughs> That's so right. What, what is working for you as we delve into these concepts? What makes enough of a difference that you're like wishing that it was public knowledge because it would be a public service? Um, mm. I can go first. Go. So I would like to pick two, but so I'll just pick one and sneak the second one in there. The, the one I want to pick is... Okay. The, the idea of uh, the influence of the wider spiritual world on the human being. Specifically, that we imagine ourselves as this psychological island where right. somehow you've got this chatterbox in your head which is feeding you information on life, but you just think, oh, that's just my thoughts. and Those are just it, neurons firing some, or something. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of biological scramble is happening, and it makes sense because of Freud or something. And from that, we get these narratives about ourselves and about life and how we interpret events and things and all that. And for a lot of us, it's a miserable environment to be in. I mean, you, yes, you, get, you get thoughts. Not that much fun, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you at home would agree, but you get thoughts that you don't want. You get conclusions you don't want. Yeah. You get things that are confusing and frightening. and it's, it's Feelings and passions you don't want. That's, yep. yeah, and that's it's hard right. to navigate. And yeah. Swedenborg just hits you with this uh, right between the eyes, like stuff... 
is not originating in you. Like you mm. are part of a conversation, but just because you think it doesn't mean it's you. It doesn't mean it's your essence. It originated or, in and yourself. Doesn't, or yeah, yeah, and doesn't mean that it's true. So you mm. are allowed to be skeptical and critical of your own thoughts and feelings when it works. Um, mm. To me, that is the key that lets you, because if you don't realize that you're holding something, that there's even something that's separate from you, you can never be able to let it go. But as soon as I can have that detachment, and but not, and I know that that's a, that's a theme in, in other traditions such as Buddhism, but Swedenborg's full explanation of exactly why we experience mm. Man. the mental landscape we do, to me that that's that's such detail about how the whole mechanism of that, yes. how we invite it, how we change it. That's right. Yeah, the whole the whole thing, and it is a game changer, isn't it, to, to your consciousness when you when you really start to take that idea in yeah. and think, wait a minute. My thoughts, because the way thoughts pop into your head, yeah. like really, I think I just originated that, yeah. especially yeah. when you're trying and trying really hard to think of something and you can't, yeah. and then all of a sudden, pop, or you wake up the next yeah. morning, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, but yep. so yeah, that, that's a really, so the whole world, I agree with you, I benefit from That's it. mine, but also divine providence, the idea that, that okay. God is in every circumstance tailoring it, and just how he is for the benefit of, of all, that's cool. One, one B. Yeah, that's, that's right, that's, that's one B. So what about, one B. what about you? Well, um, those are very, very good answers, I have to say. Well, and I know it's in your contract you have to say that. So yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's actually somewhat heartfelt, too. Oh, good, good. The, um, for me, I think uh, something that's become more and more uh, important to me over time is the sense, and it's taken me a long time to sort of assimilate this, but uh, that there's a loving divine presence. Yeah. You know, first of all, that God is love. Secondly, that God is actually present in my, you know, thinking and feeling. Yeah. Like one of the things that you can do about your thoughts and feelings is realize that there's also a divine presence in there and that you can call on in certain ways and so on. I find that so helpful. It's mind-boggling. Like why would the infinite want to bother with me? You know, but, uh, but I've just seen too much little hints of evidence over time yeah. that that's going on. And it really does change... Uh, again, the way I feel about that interior space, the the, the whole world that goes on in, in my head. Yeah, even though it's not always perceptible, the idea that it's always happening, and that there can be something that monumental, like the presence of the divine, that you don't perceive at right. times, ma makes me rethink how clearly I'm perceiving everything. Yeah, you know? right, right. And it sort of explains, to some extent, how prayer works you know what is that when you pray yeah. and so on do you get the answers and and all yeah. that? it just gets into a lot of different things but i think that over time that uh when you actually start to sense that love that's there it can be a really powerful transformative thing so i'd love the whole world to have that yeah so that's us what about you what do you guys think from your experience in the swedenborg concepts what's one that would help the world. And if we get to the end of the show, when we get all your answers and there's no answers, we'll know, like, Sweden, we had the best Swedenborg ones. is a waste of time. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the best ones. Okay, so that's that. The ice is melted. Now let's get down to business and talk about what it means to be a church. Again, we've got to do these keywords because... How would you describe reading Swedenborg without the knowledge of the keywords? A mm. little, little uh, dusty. It's difficult to swallow, you know. And it's it's a dangerous world without those keywords because you can walk in 
to these texts mm. and come out with the opposite idea. It's true. A, a lot of, as we've talked about in previous shows sometimes, uh, a lot of words that you think you know in there. So there's some words you've never seen before in your life, yeah. and then there's other words that you think you know, but as you read on, you think, wait, I don't think he's using that the way I thought, you know, and then you, well, what, what is this? So we're hoping to save people some time, right, by just right. trying to at least give them an, an idea that we've developed about what these things mean, and maybe that'll help them get up to speed. That's right, and our key word today is none other than church, and this is an important one, because if you don't, if you ain't hip to what Swedenborg means when he says church, you mm. can easily th open a page of Swedenborg and think, I've seen all this before. This is some religious Christian guy who's saying this stuff about the church. Right. This is something I've already, I already know I don't want to mess with. It's, it's, it's all theology, nothing's anything about it. But when he's talking about hmm. church, he actually means something that is pretty organic and actually pretty, um, I feel like, uh, novel. And interesting. Yes, you know. and and one thing that may be worth saying right away is that by that particular term, he never ever means a building where worship takes place. That's you know, right. he he never means a, a physical building. He uses the term temple for that, and the translations, yeah. you know, uh, uh, will often have the word temple in them in the way that we don't talk much about temples very much. But yeah. but uh, but that's what he means about a building where you know, rituals and worship takes place. Yeah. Um, but it's not so simple that he just replaced that meaning with one other. It's actually a multi-layered term yeah. that he uses. And let's start to explore this now. This is from Swedenborg's New Jerusalem 246. Hmm. The church takes a particular form where the word exists and the Lord is known by means of it. And therefore, where divine truths have been revealed. It's interesting wording that it talks about a particular, it takes a particular form. It's not that it only exists in that form, yeah. but it takes a particular form. And uh, as I'm sure you're about to say, there are some buzzwords in that Oh, it's phrase, it's right? It's just loaded with we've, keywords. We've talked that's about right. word. We've talked everything that's capitalized there. You, <laughs> that's you, right. You could because you could take that as okay. Wherever somebody reads the Bible and knows about Jesus, then while Swedenborg would certainly say those are instances of it, the term word is much more expansive than yeah. just a particular sacred text. The that's Lord, right. he talks about people knowing the Lord who never knew Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Yep. So, yep. uh, but it does boil down to where um, where love and truth are being put into action. Yes, and and uh, it, it takes a particular form where there's something sort of organized and institutionalized, right. you know. Yeah. So, yes, he is talking about something along those lines, but then he's got another thought. Yeah, he's going to hit you with more, though. Still, though, this does not mean that people are part of the church by merely being born where the word exists and the Lord is known. Now, wait a second. You know, by a normal definition of the word church, that's precisely how it works. Your parents were in the you church. You get a baptismal yeah. certificate or something like that. You know, you got something. That there's your paperwork. You're a part of the thing. And what does he mean? that that doesn't happen merely by being born there. So he's using church in a different sense, isn't he? And worth noting that in in his day, the church and society were the same thing. I mean, yes, they were. You, every, it wasn't this, like, am I religious or not, or um, the everybody, you, or, the church is is culture. It, it, in in, in um, Sweden at the time that he lived there, and he spent a number of years abroad as well, but Lutheranism was the state, religion. Yeah. You, it was illegal to be anything other than a Lutheran. 
Yes. You know, so. so him saying, just because you're born into this church doesn't mean you're really in the church, is a pretty serious uh, yeah. bomb. It's, it's, it's a shocking sort of statement, yeah. People are part... here, But here we go, Here we're sort of untangling what is it that actually makes this thing. People are part of the church only if they are being regenerated by the Lord, by means of truths from the Word. That is, they are living, caring lives. Oh, wow. That's what it all boils down to. That's amazing. So that's quite a different definition of church. Oh, yeah. Because it also raises the question about what if you're living a caring life and you don't happen to have a copy of the Bible in the back room or whatever. Yes, right? and I would say, just think of all the people that you know, like and all the people who are living caring lives and all the people who are in a church— are they necessarily the same? Sometimes it's, they are, yeah. but you can see examples of sometimes that's very much not so. Yeah, that, that, on both sides. It on sort both of goes sides. out both sides. Yeah, yeah. so right. it's interesting that he equates that as being the fundamental qualifier for Living, being in caring, a church. Yeah, he's not even talking there about doctrine, teachings, anything like that, right? Uh, living, caring yeah. lives. So let's that's, go, that's let's, let's move deeper into the mystery. So he continues here. The Lord's church includes all people in the world— who are living a good life according to their own religion. What? So you have a single cohesive church entity that is made up of multiple religions, the qualifier being whatever your belief system is, you're doing what you think is right by it. Mm. That's what makes wow. a church. And that word church has generally been associated with Christianity. When people talk about the church, yes. they generally mean Christianity. Yes. Uh, it's sort of a, a special term. And yet he's stretching that umbrella so you can get all the religions under there. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. And, and uh, again, at a time when it was heretical to do so. Mm. All the people who live good lives and acknowledge one God, no matter where they are, are accepted by the Lord and come into heaven. Interesting. This is because everyone who is devoted to doing good recognizes the Lord, since goodness comes from the Lord and the Lord is present in it. That's that expansion wow. on the term Lord that you think... Because <laughs> that, Swedenborg that's right. does say, like, by the Lord I mean Jesus Christ. However, right. what he's saying there is you're doing good. When you're doing good, you know the Lord because that's the, the more so even than the term, the, the, the syllables and the sounds, Jesus Christ. Right. Doing good is knowing who the Lord is. Actually is. That's right. And people from all religions can have that knowledge, partly because he says in other passages that every religion has some uh, behavioral aspect to it. Yeah. There's something you're supposed to do. There's a way you're supposed to treat other people. Yeah. There are ways you're not supposed to treat other people and so on. And so anybody who's living a caring life according to whatever that code is, like they will recognize the Lord and the Lord recognizes them them in whatever sense. You know. Yeah. And so we've got um, a, a sort of a proto-definition here. We know it's got something to do with living a caring life. But yeah. I want to look at numerically how many people do i need to get together before i got a church you know where yeah. is, it, is it something you can do on your Isn't own that old definition just three people in a resentment <laughs> i hadn't heard that one but that's a big zinger <laughs> this is new jerusalem 246 the church like heaven is within us oh as individuals what? so i just like right there wait a minute so not only are we saying the church actually what you think of as membership, ritual, um, accessories, yeah. is something that's inside you. So the is heaven. The church is within us. Yeah, but so is heaven. As individual, the church is yeah. within us. As, that's a very 
That's kind of a different definition. And I think. just between those comments, he says, like heaven. By like the way, heaven. Heaven is not by defined by some external afterlife space. This is something that occurs inside you as well. That's right. So the church in general is made up of people who have the church within themselves. So here again, he's saying, okay, you can have something called the church in some external sense. Yeah. But the way he's defining it is it's all those people who have this thing called the church within. That's right. There is no of church. Of whatever religion they might be. That's right. Uh, right. They're, they're living, caring, lives of caring. Yeah. There's no church within us unless the truths we have been taught are grounded in good actions from a caring heart. Mm, rooted in love. There it is. And therefore grounded in the way we live. Hmm. There is no church in us at all if we care, if, uh, church in us, if all we care about are the truths that we call matters of faith. Okay, there's another bomb I heard going off in there because he says, there's no church in you. You know, to to a lot of people through, through history and everything, uh, the church is defined as the truths that we call matters of faith. It's faith. those truths of faith. Yeah. That's how I know whether you're really part of this thing or not it's yeah. like well what what do you have in your head what do you believe you know and all that what do you believe it's all about the beliefs and wow he's saying if all you care about are the beliefs you don't even have what he's defining that's that's really shocking yeah and the, again going back to the the time he was writing this like to believe was the care the calling card i mean this that was makes it. you salvation was seen as based on that entirely and everything yeah yeah but but here he's just saying no it doesn't matter what what fact what you're learning and what you're professing it's mm. why you are and how it's affecting your life that means something like that wow so so, so he says that there are um th this this happens all over the world so he, he goes on that's right people who are of the church who are of the church that is people who have the church within themselves mm -hmm. are drawn to the truth for its own sake uh here's another characteristic huh drawn yeah. to the truth for its own sake what does that mean that mm. is they love what is true because it is true. They also search the word to find out whether the te teachings of the church in which they were born are true. Interesting. So that's kind of the opposite. Like you would think it might be that it's people who accept those teachings and then f can demonstrate them from yeah. the Bible or something like right, that. Right, right, right. But there it's saying, oh no, people who are this way are interested in the truth to see whether it's really true you know, they want to find out whether it's really true or not. And so they will actually read the other way around, checking out yeah. whether the the word really supports the teachings that they've been given or not, and in, to what degree and all that. So yeah. again, again, it's on its head, isn't it? it well, and it's, it's not defined by you, you've, you've absorbed certain teachings. It's, it's the level of your passion for the truth. And that you'd think the more you have the church in you, the more you just accept what, whatever a religious yeah. organization tells you. That's right. But there's this sort of independent streak that's a part of it, which is if you really have this church, this longing for goodness and truth, e e even if you're told something, you vet it. You have to, like, is this really the truth? Because I, what I love is the truth. Yeah. Like, that's that's, that's, that's the essence of church. So you that's can right. you can think about it, like, uh, I feel like we really would love to be able to demonstrate this idea of this multi-part church of individuals and what groups. Was it, what would it look like? It would have to, just like something really tangible. Oh, well, I'll just go with the classic. How about the uh, the colored balloons? Oh, so this, okay. Let's oh. say, I happen to have this here. You might think, oh, church, what's that? You know, you look at specific places in the world. There's a church. There's a church. There's some churches around here. And that's what the different churches are. 
right? Yeah, that's so right. In, they're, they're, There's they're, more of it in one place than another. Their headquarters are, are, are in certain areas or whatever. Yeah, yeah actually, that's right. And there are nations where you don't have that religion or something. Yeah, it's a different place. This is, this is where the church is, everywhere around the world. And all the people who are slowly following up there. Little sparkling people. The, everybody who's got this church in their heart, even if they don't know who each other are, even if they think they're of different religions, if you've got this love and this longing for truth in you, you're all, you're all part of the same church. You didn't even know it. And he says they're found throughout. You know, they're all over the planet. That's right. Right? But you make a cohesive whole because you're united not necessarily by ideas, but by love and the desire. Yeah. He even says in a few passages uh, that you kind of recognize each other when you encounter each other kind of thing. There's... there's like a spiritual family resemblance okay. almost like you sort of it. oh i i get where you're coming from right. kind of thing you know like that you you're looking out for the good of the human race yeah just like i am but there's also this whole w- new church that swedenborg talks about because it's gonna be a new I said, one it's a multi I mean, that's already pretty cool what you're just talking yes about. it's a multi-layered term and you'll hear swedenborg talk about churches in individuals churches as a group you'll hear him use it to compare and contrast with the established mm. churches and all that but he also spends quite a lot of time talking about as you well know the new church yeah and we this, found when we were doing research for the new century edition that that sometimes he means one denomination by the church one yeah. denomination of christianity yeah or sometimes he means or even just like a congregation within it, or a yeah. certain movement, and then sometimes he means uh, the whole of all different kinds of Christianity, and then sometimes he means these whole grand religious eras, uh, yeah. even before Christianity. Yeah, you know, pre-Christian uh, and so on. These five great ages of of religion on earth, kind yeah. of thing. And it's in the spirit. And I think when he's talking about the new church, he's talking about the fifth of the like the most recent. Yes that we're just, you know, rolling over into now. I was told that the term, the new age, came from a Swedenborgian minister's sermon. Oh, at really? At one point where he was wow. talking about the new age we're moving into. that, And in, like, the age of Aquarius, these sorts of things, that, that there's a new spiritual era mm. on the horizon that Swedenborg writes about extensively and uses, again, the term church to describe it. So let's take a look. This is yeah, right. from True Christianity 784, Rose Translation. Mm. It is in accordance with the divine design that the new heaven is to be formed first before the new church develops on earth. Heaven and the church again there, right? Yep. So whatever's happening mm. to bring this new era about, it's happening up there first, and then we're starting to see... And this is the order of things. This is the divine design. Yeah. That's how it should work. The new heaven is what creates the inner level of the church within us. That's cool. So it's an inside-out yeah. type of job, and that heaven creates, installs some spiritual software in us in some sense, you know, uh, in our thoughts and feelings, and it creates the inner level of the church within us. And so it's not like this is going to be something that spreads externally, you know, you get get one idea and then somebody prints a pamphlet and now you've got... That's right. But it's happening inside people initially, Mm. even if it seems like it's spreading through means. The more that heaven grows, the more the new Jerusalem, that is the new church, comes down from that heaven. So Swedenborg saying that that biblical imagery of the New Jerusalem represents this new church happening. Hmm. This cannot take place in a moment. It comes about as the falsities of the former church are removed. What is new cannot take hold where people have been born into false beliefs unless those beliefs are first uprooted. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, so, so like bad teachings need to be set aside or challenged or something like that, you know, before yeah. you can really get to this. 
this level, but it still c- comes comes from within. There's something about it that comes down. Yeah, and it's not doesn't mean people can't be sharing ideas and the communities can't grow from that. But there is this internal component and there's this spiritual component to it. Mm. So there's there's all this stuff about church. All right, and so let's let's see how that would play out in action. As we always do, we're going to take a, a little road trip, and Swedenborg is going to tell us a story about when he saw this stuff happening. Ah, you ready? Okay, here's our next section. style was to illustrate, uh, well, I guess learn initially through these experiences, and That's then right. from that, write his, the generalities we've been focusing on. So we're going to see sort of some of the source material mm. behind this whole thing. So this is the story of how you can have a church inside you, or, or how it shows up in some people. Now, the church is a state of mind, in a state of heart that allows the Lord to, to dwell inside us. But he's talking about even though the Lord can be everywhere, right? So you think of God as omnipresent, oh, okay. right? Some some Bible verses seem to say that he he fluctuates in his amount of presentness, you know? In fact, there's a lot, isn't there, about yeah. him being, uh, you know— coming in or be or or saying that he will be with certain people or saying that he's going to leave yeah you know or i will be with you or meet me even after the resurrection right he says meet me in galilee and things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. you know that sounds like wait a minute i thought you were omnipresent i mean i really wrestled with this a lot yeah how does the omnipresence go with this apparent coming and going you know what what's what's up with that and even with the feeling you were talking about in the beginning when you answered the question that that right god's here but you don't it doesn't seem like that so what's it all mean and and this is from swedenborg's spiritual experiences word explained which is a a series of notes that he was taking on these biblical stories that then kind of moved in and out of spiritual experiences and it's really cool stuff very early it's fascinating very early early after his spiritual awakening and as you say, he'd be reading stuff in the Bible, and he'd be writing about that and analyzing it, and then he just couldn't help himself. He would indent the paragraph and talk about his own experience because that would help him understand. Yeah, you know. And then he'd go back to, and so you had these spiritual experiences starting to be written, right interleaved with that biblical material. And this is one of those passages. So this is from one forty three to one forty five. He says, "God the Messiah is everywhere, but in holy things he is more presence." present than elsewhere. You know, that that's a conundrum right there, because yeah. he's everywhere, but he's more present in some things than other things. And what, what are holy things? Yeah, what, what... So, I don't think he just means like, oh, I've got a relic here, or yeah, I have a special, water. you know, yeah. a stone that was blessed by a monk or something like that. This is, uh, I think what he means are the things of love and faith, you know, compassion, yeah. yep. things like that. Those, those are the... Those are the holy things. Right. Think, things that are, are truly good good and true. So, in holy things, he is more present than elsewhere, and with a different power, namely with truth and love. Ah, so when he's present with those things, he can bring in that truth and love, sort of increase that state or something. So yeah. he's more present in that. And if you were just like full of rage and hatred at a particular moment or something, yeah. he's not as present, in, even though he's everywhere present, but it's... Yeah. But if he's yeah, if he's dwelling with you and you've got all this antisocial stuff in your heart and you're living on it, it's like he's there, but he's like, I, I don't have my tools with me. Right. But where when you are accepting love and truth, then 
God is present with mm. this power that comes to so that's why you know God can can um regenerate and work on people that allow it but not the not those as much that don't allow it yeah that's so. right yeah so it differs so the presence actually differs even though he's everywhere present the same right so therefore it is said that he can dwell with someone or well, this as, is about the Bible like yes. he, that he dwells with people and, right or as later that he can not go with them to the land of Canaan Mm. So this is ex explaining, yeah, how can you say you're not going to go with a certain group of people to a certain place? You're everywhere, <laughs> you're everywhere all the time. But yeah. it's talking about an internal state that uh, when you go to that state, we don't have this truth and love, I can't be pre I can't be effectively present like I could in, be. In the same way. Yes, it really changes. The, the, the sense of that presence really changes right. in accord with our state. When yet he is everywhere present. Therefore, also in the prayer of benediction. What's oh, that? this is that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Yeah. Which is like, okay, he's going to be present and blessed. You know, that yeah. prayer. And like lift like, up his countenance upon you. Where was his countenance before? Yes, and then right. One place right. at a time. There's right. an infinite countenance is everywhere. Yes. So. so he is implored to look upon them when yet he is seeing them always, as well as the tiniest things in the universe. But when they are sinners, he is said to turn his face away. That's right. Not and that, that comes God, up quite yeah. a lot in Scripture. Yeah. Yep. He, they, they say it, but uh, and he, he explains, because there is not this kind of presence, namely together with light and flame, that is together with truth and love. Interesting how he correlates uh, truth with light and love with flame. Yeah. So interest, this is interesting sort of early language that he's using about this, that present yeah. with light and flame. Before he had like fully formed all the correspondences that you become very familiar with, right? That's right. Great. And and, and so and, he's saying, yeah, go ahead. And I think right here in the passage is where he's going to shift into his own experience. Yeah. He's been talking about this in sort of a general way. Yes. Uh, but now all of a sudden, whoops, here we're going to go into his yeah, own so head. Let's see what he has to say. Which presence by the divine mercy of God the Messiah I have been allowed to experience, such as in London on the street, at home, in a temple at Stockholm, and which presence I am thereby able to recognize and thus to describe. Mm, well, let's talk about that a little bit because isn't that amazing that he's talking about, so this is very early on, yeah. and he's talking about the spiritual experience. We had a show like that a while back, didn't we, about the yeah. different kinds of spiritual experience that he had. And so he's talking about some presence of light and flame that, and so one was apparently in London on the street where he's, or, or I don't know, I can't even tell whether those are two different ones, but just the fact that it ever happened to him on the street, it's not that he was always just sitting in some sacred place or yeah. deep in prayer or something like that. He's, he's just walking to a shop or something like that. And there's this incredible presence of the Lord that he's experiencing. And at home he's experiencing it. He does experience it in a temple church. in Stockholm, yeah, which is right. a church building. Right? Okay. And he, let's, he talks about it, but briefly mm -hmm. he says, so this presence of the Lord you know, mm -hmm. with, with love and truth is a very deep feeling which can never be described, and if it were described in many words, <laughs> still nothing of it would be expressed. He's <laughs> like, I'm not going to waste your time. Yeah, don't knock you yourself. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, it, it's, it's deep. That's about as far as we get. Mm. Moreover, there are other presences which manifest themselves by peace, by happiness, by a more inward sensation, which I have experienced quite often over a period of two years. Nor can these presences be described, for there is a clear sensation of happiness. And I like the emphasis on being able to recognize it. There are other passages where Swedenborg talks about the fact 
that we may have been having these experiences since early childhood. I think everybody does in some way or another. But we don't know that's what it is. We yeah. just think, I feel good, or things look beautiful right now, or, you know, I'm I, I'm having like a glorious, exp- I'm just full of joy right now or something. Yeah. Uh, not realizing, oh, that's the presence of the Lord. Yes, that, that, that even, so some people have like what you would really call like spiritual experiences, but all of us in our moments of, of clarity and joy and all that wouldn't probably label it like that, but you are feeling the presence of the Lord there. And so something helped him to recognize, oh, I think that, and even, because I got thrown for a long time by the omnipresence idea. Yeah. I thought omnipresence must mean that there can never be more or less of that presence. Yeah. But that would mean you never feel it. It would be like radio waves charging through this building or something. Yeah. Like it was. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I don't you, care if there are 10 of them or 50 or whatever. That's right. Or you're so used to the temperature everywhere that you never feel any kind of yeah. thermocline or whatever. Yeah. And what's... What's noteworthy here for the show that we're doing is Swedenborg is talking about having these deep experiences, and earlier talking about this experience of the presence of God, the love and truth, that that is the essence of this church that we're talking about. And where did he have those experiences? He had it at one time in a church. That's right. But the other time he had it on the street. In the other, in London, he had it in Stockholm. He at was, home, he was at home. So he was having this experience of church, and it wasn't dependent on the external factor. It was an no. internal thing. It was at its core. It was truth and love coming out of God. He would come into some state of of love and compassion and happiness, or insight, or something that would just you know lift him up. But just and the way he describes, like indescribable sort of a depth, a richness of the experience and happiness. He says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not too bad. And that's yeah. the that's the church. How's that is how's that for a church you would like to attend? That is that is the church according to Swedenborg. And it, it's, there's a lot of different layers and forms of it, but that's that's the heart of it. And, and it not, can happen all over. And it can happen all over. And it's the kind of mm. feeling that not only affects you, but it pushes you out to go and live and love and change the world for the mm. better. So that's not so bad. That's what it means. That's what Swedenborg means. So if you ever see church in Swedenborg. That's what he's talking about. All right. So that's cool. That was fun. And uh, was. I'd love to know your thoughts on it. What do you guys think about that as a definition? Did anything we say make any sense? We're going to find out now because we're headed right into our live Q&A. So if you want to get a question in, we'll take it on live. Uh, do it right now. All right. So we'll be looking, if you're in YouTube, if you're in the chat room right now watching live, get your questions in and we'll be struggling to answer them one by one. <laughs> this is our first one today and it comes to us via YouTube. This is Bonnie asking, do you think we can personally think up a beautiful thought and introduce it into the universal <laughs> church? Well, hmm. I love the intent. Like, hey, let's, because Swedenborg says that, that like so the, sort of the angelic mind uh, the angelic mindset is that you don't want anything to just be yours. Like as soon as you have something that's good, you want to give it. You want to you know, share you, it. And you want to share it with the common good. So, I mean, that's certainly like the desire to do that is is like the essence of the universal church. That's right. And Swedenborg talks about in heaven that uh, thoughts and feelings are very widely shared, which yeah. I think is cool. You have whole, whole communities that are just rejoicing about whatever it is, and, and yeah. these things radiate out. And so it's a beautiful thought that that could be happening down here, too. Yeah. 
because in some ways, Swedenborg says that the Lord sees everybody as the center. You know what I mean? He, yeah. Like there are many centers to this thing. It's not a hierarchical thing. Yeah. Uh, and so anybody can, oh, here's a new breath of fresh air coming in from, yeah. you know, and here, here's another one coming in here. And, um, uh, and circulating those things, getting those things out in there. So, and everybody is their own love and their own understanding. So, you know, yeah, the Lord will flow into different people in different ways. And, and uh, I think that's a beautiful yeah, thought. That you would never, that nobody can have exactly the same thought. You know, or, or you know, we all have a slightly different way we accept goodness and truth. So, well, Swedenborg would argue that everything initially comes from God, but you could be introducing something. He also talks about married partners rather than having um, in the spiritual world, rather than having physical offspring, physical offspring, yeah. they have goodness and truth. Well, like like yeah. physical offspring is what you do when you're in the physical world. But so I wonder if that's something like. You think this is the first time some beautiful thought has happened, and now it spreads out. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, great question, That's Bonnie. That's a very cool. Let's thought. Uh, let's look at the next one. Harlan asks: Did Swedenborg believe that his use of the term "church" was the intended meaning of that same word in the Bible? Wow, is that's that, a good one. Is that what he's talking about? So Swedenborg asserted and based a lot of his based his whole I don't know, theology, I guess you would call it, on the idea that the the Bible is written in correspondences. So you have these sort of earthly words that mean their spiritual counterparts. So in that regard, I would think when it's talking about... when and, and it's not too far of a stretch to see when Jesus is talking about the temple that's built in, in three days and all this kind of stuff. He's, it's a much more personal definition of it. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, one is just I get uh, a little tangled up in the... Um the church, the Greek ecclesia, which means a calling out, an assembly, gathering people together kind of thing, uh, I think doesn't come up until Acts. Like, I, I don't think, I'm trying to remember. I'm not okay. sure the thing, the term occurs in the Gospels. Uh, there's somewhere in there where it starts to sneak in, but there's not that many uh, occurrences of it as far as I can remember off the okay. top of my head. Um, but I, But he says that many, many things in the Old New Testament are about what he's talking about as the church. Like the whole uh -huh. thing all the way through is about that state of love and faith. Uh, and many th there's a whole current of meaning in the, in the text about the rise and fall of, is that good? Is, is the, is the love and the truth yeah. good in there or, or is it bad now? You know, it's yes. falling apart and, Oh, here comes another good wave or something like that. And, yeah. and so I do think he sees that, all uh all through scripture not only where it uses the actual you know english word church in our translations and stuff. It, it would be safe to say that a major theme of the meaning of the bible has to do with the church as it exists worldwide with humanity and as existed throughout history but also as it exists in, in people so certainly yeah, that right. it's all over in the in the narrative there or, or swedenborg claimed it to be so thanks so much harlan let's look at our next question this is jennifer who asks i wonder where we go if we don't want to claim any particular religion i just want to live a good loving life and seek my higher power so what happens how, how much trouble are you in <laughs> if you do that i mean it seems to me like 
what what you've got there, I just want to live a good, loving life and seek my higher power. That's the core. I mean, all the other stuff that we put put as religions, which would be um, particular ways of worshiping, rituals, buildings, structures, even sacred texts, those are sort of window dressing right. on what you're talking about there, wanting to live a good, loving life and seek my higher power. So I think you're not, you know, you're not going to, they're not going to say, oh, your portfolio is incomplete. Their religions can be useful tools for getting people to where you are there, and they can provide the right ideas. You know, you're going to be seeking ideas, but I, I don't see that as, you're not going to, there's no penalty for that, because that is, that is the core of religion, you know. That's right. And I imagine that what you encounter in the other life uh, is so much cooler than anything we have down here. Yeah. In the name of religion, you know what I mean? Like yes. our religions are pretty bad down here for yeah. the most part. And that's and, no offense. Uh, and and Swedenborg does talk about that. I mean, he yeah. he's very critical of the different traditions well, and yes. things like that, that they fall pretty short of this good loving life. So I think he'd be right with you on the yeah, live a good loving life, seek your your higher power. That's that is, I think, the the core of it. And it doesn't matter calling it a religion or this or that, you know. Yeah, and the the people who are in religions, their experience of being in that religion varies so widely. Yes. That that somebody who's in a very structured belief system and yet is using that belief system to live a good, loving life and seek their higher power, they and you are actually have more in common than the person who may be next to them in the pew, but is is right. is living a life full of things uh, that are that are harmful to themselves and others. So it's like he, that that's the church we're participating in, even if we don't know that we are doing it. So if memory serves, in Swedenborg's Divine Providence number one hundred one, because I always remember this is like one hundred one. It's so okay. basic, you know. DP one hundred one. I it. think it's Divine Providence one hundred one that says that um, after we die, we are never asked what religion we were part of. We are just asked, what kind of person were you? Yeah. So what Jennifer's talking about there, that's on the final. Yeah. You know, whether right. you are this particular reformed that or a neo something or other, you know, they, that, that is not of interest to them. Yes. They, they, they don't want to know what you claim to belong to in terms of some religious yeah. system. Just, are you are you a good person? How do you treat yeah. other people? In the spiritual world, the world we all enter after death, no one asks what your religion was like, but what your life was like. I remember that's right. I remember that something like that. That right. quote, like uh, when I was first running the Heaven and Hell Facebook page that the Swedenborg mm. Foundation has, I remember seeing that one and being like, oh yeah, people are going to like that. Look at Get that. that, post that. Okay, so so yeah. Jennifer, hopefully that, that uh, is was an interesting answer to, to listen to, and uh, we appreciate the question very much. Let's look at the next one. This is from Ryan, and he asks, if Jesus never sinned, then how could he fully know what it was to like to be a human? To be human. To fail the test of a temptation is an essential part of being human. How did Christ experience this? So, mm. yeah, I mean, because you, on the one hand... And now Swedenborg has a ton to say about the technicalities That's of right. Jesus Christ. Does, yeah. You know, I said before that a major theme in the Bible is the church, but a bigger theme is the, all the minutia of the Jesus Christ phenomenon. He's saying that that's right. all spelled out in these stories, and, and Swedenborg spends a lot of time on it. So this is certainly the right place to be asking a question like that. And what, what's right. your what's your uh, first thoughts well, on it? My, my th some of what Swedenborg said uh, makes me think that um, 
uh, we actually have a kind of cushioned experience when we go through temptations. Uh, we're just given like one little slice, you know, on a given day or something, you have one slice of here's an issue for you to work on. Mm-hmm. But the way Swedenborg describes it, Jesus was taking the entire thing on. So in a certain way, uh, we only know one little slice of what it is to be human, but he knew the whole thing. And uh, he knew it from the uh, battle that he was in. He didn't have to succumb and actually sin to be able to tell exactly what that was yeah. like, you know, what what that was like, what it feels like to be in that. Yeah. And so I think he was able to, in Hebrews 2.18 or someone says it, you know, by being tempted, he was able to help those who are tempted. Yeah. And, and so I think by his having a very broad experience, he was able to help us with our narrow experience of temptation. Now, how am I doing? No, I no, I think it's, you know, I'm going to pass you there. Um, and... <laughs> And I think I did not fail that because we're looking we're looking at to fail the test of temptation is an essential part of being human because that that experience of oh I said I wasn't going to but I yelled at the dog again I got you know I wasn't supposed to get mad at that but I did um, mm. isn't that and and the thing that the requisite uh, not the requisite but the the accompanying things shame guilt right frustration all that and this mm. sense of like oh your own worthlessness isn't how can you really say you got down and dirty with us if you don't know that the basic experience of being human but i would argue that along the lines of what you were saying that doesn't mean jesus was spared those feelings or those emotions or anything i think so right it just means he, he didn't it's not like he warranted them but you can still have the full experience of it and and also though as you were saying that that we are even as terrible as life is, we're experiencing sort of suffering light because we're not mm. having to do it under our own. Oh, God is always with us, helping right. us with that. Whereas Jesus was actually like, "Is me against on his own everything," yeah. you know, mm. and that that must have been like whatever we feel when we go through that stuff is somehow an echo of that. So I guess what I would want to say is, there's just no way that God is kind of like this, like stuffy, pampered, like. You guys go do the real gritty <laughs> stuff, but I just did enough to check the boxes. But I was always safe the whole time. Whereas yeah. you go, there's no way that 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 God is gonna that that just you know God is not cheesy, right? God God is right. gritty and real. So right. somehow, but but on the other side, do you really want a God that's like done some like I did some bad stuff in my life? Like that too, as like the God being our parent and everything is like. So I I think the divine can navigate that so there's the full I you know I I know where you're coming from but hey, no you can trust me at yeah, the same time, yeah 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 you know? good good answer okay Ryan thanks for the question that's a great one hopefully uh, you, you felt like that was something fun um and thanks for the question yeah well, let's do another one this is from Keith and Keith asks in the afterlife will we have a better understanding of why someone has hurt us Will we get? Will we be given a chance to forgive them and perhaps gain a new friend? Because people can be really difficult to deal with, and mm. situ- and and also, you can think when you've been personally hurt by something, the idea of oh we're all just happy in heaven. You want to do that, but there's a little part of you that's just it's just hardwired to be like, wait, wait, like I, I I was I have no one's listening to me. Right. I mean, like I, I am being pinched in the gears of this giant machine. So the question is, what's going to happen? How, how is that 
taken care of. You know, what do you think? Yeah, and I, I th- my answer sort of comes from two sources. One is that Swedenborg does talk about really extreme situations like one person poisoned another person, things like that. Yeah. That that is all kind of you have a little historic reenactment kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and it all comes to light what happened and everybody sort of sees how that went went down and everything. Uh, and so that gives me to think that probably in less extreme circumstances, there's also sort of, you know, don't you have questions that you carry all through your life about, yeah. why did you do that? I, yeah. I never understood, you know, why that went down the way that it went down. And uh, the other source is near-death experiences of various different kinds where people talk about a life review and where you can actually see where you yourself were coming from and they can see where you were coming from and you yeah. can see where they were and you get this sort of forgiveness and i think i i very much am drawn to that thought um that you have a chance to for for forgiveness and and to you know let bygones be bygones and heal yeah. heal these things because we come out of this world with a lot of uh you know, baggage is like inevitable. I think yeah. that's what scripture means when it says that we have our feet sort of get dirty and we need our feet washed kind yeah. of thing. I think that's sort of a feet washing, foot washing kind of situation. Yeah, I think so. That that there's a lot of mitigating, fa- or, you know, um, circumstances yeah, yeah. that are just like causing us to cause harm. Sometimes we mean it, sometimes we don't mean it. And that, that there's got to be a, a clarification on the other side. But then it seems to me, like, as soon as you touch the near-death experience thing or this report of spiritual experiences, you know, just today I was interviewing a guy who had had one, and there's just so immediately it's about understanding people's motives. And Look at that. right away they're like, they, you know why someone's feeling something, you know why they're doing it. And that, that, that's how the Lord sees it, that, that Swedenborg says an external action can look a thousand different ways. The same action can look a thousand different ways to angels yes. because they're seeing the motives and everything. So I think you would learn that. And the idea of forgiving the person and, and perhaps gaining a new friend, Swedenborg talks about charity and, and that, that what, even if you have to turn somebody into jail, down the road, if you think ultimately I want to be this person's friend, uh, that's charity. So I would think that's very much in line with that. That you know, the, anything that is potentially resolvable will be resolved. You know, that's right. I, so I feel absolutely certain about the first half that we will definitely have a better understanding yeah. of what happened there. And there's also that beautiful story where. Um, uh, someone meets someone else, and he doesn't. Swedenborg doesn't make it explicit, but I think that the, the the person who became an adult had really wronged, or possibly even even in, resulted in the death of the other one who died as a child, or something like okay. that. And uh, when that one who died as a child sees the first one, this is a hardened person. Yeah. But the other one was so loving. Yeah. That it totally melted his heart. He said it was like love itself was was talk, you know, mm-hmm. like so much compassion. Under, oh, don't no, don't carry that burden, you know. Don't yeah. worry about it. my life has been great. It that's was, right. It's okay that you know or whatever. So I don't know if that's that's fully accurate to that, but there's something of that in that story. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of love and understanding. I think so. Available if people want to choose it. That's and the, that's the existence exists. To create heaven. I mean, that's that's the point of life. Mm. So how they're not going to be the right channels for if, if people want a heaven, that they can work things out and get there. So I would think, I think yes, Keith. And it's a great question. And uh, hopefully that uh, that was a, an enjoyable 
answer attempt, and hopefully they all were. So that's that's <laughs> their questions, and thank you so much, everybody. We love hearing from you, the audience, and we like we like even it's so great, even better. Not to be rude, we like meeting you, and we're gonna get to uh, to meet somebody from the audience right now in the next section. So this, I got to have a, a fun conversation um, uh, with a with an audience member of ours from Monterey, Mexico. And cool. you're going to see he begins with he he had gone to see this motivational speaker, Nick Vucevic, who quotes Helen Keller. And then he was like, "Well, who's Helen Keller?" And as some of you at home may know, Helen Keller was an avid Swedenborgian, um, and that's how he was first introduced. The Swedenborg was through that. So you hear him mention Helen Keller right at the beginning, and then we get it a little she into... She was a famous... Um, she was deaf and blind. Yes. And couldn't speak. She eventually learned how to speak, right? That's right. But, but, uh, and overcame just huge um, uh, disabilities and was able to... And, and said that it was, Swedenborg was the main thing that helped her overcome those things and do so much for other people with disabilities and challenges right. and so on and then and she was the one who piqued the interest of our, our new friend here and what led him ultimately to Swedenborg so here's our conversation okay thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with us here and I just want to start by asking you know how did you how did you find our program in the first place uh, well, uh, before I find the program, I find Swedenborg. Like, uh, okay. I, I think that most of the people here like find first the program and through it, through it, uh, Swedenborg. But I find Swedenborg first. Um, the thing is that I was uh, reading a book of a man called uh, Nick Bujic. I don't know if you have heard of it. The guy that makes conference. It's a guy that does, uh, he born without limbs or like he's a conference, conferencist okay. like around the world. And he writes books and uh, make conference. And he writes a lot about Helen Keller, yes. Um, so I was very interested because he quotes her a lot and I read about her life. And I get with one of the books of Helen Keller called uh, My Religion. And there he explains like uh, such amazing thing about, uh, about the Swedenborg Scientific. So I, uh, I got into Swedenborg, I searched for it and I started to read the books. The thing that was so amazed for me is that uh, I was liking so much the ideas of Swedenborg was uh, making me understand much better uh, because I, I am like a former Catholic, former uh, um, like Protestant and Catholic, but uh, there are always like a, a lot of holes. Like for example, the, the thing about hell that don't make sense. And with Swedenborg, everything was making sense. So I was liking so much, I was enjoying. <laughs> and somehow, when I read the, my first book that I downloaded was uh, Heaven and Hell, actually from the Swedenborg Foundation uh, page. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I read it and I was so amazed. But at the same time, I was so amazed that this uh, stuff, like so amazing, I wasn't able to find it on the internet. Like I was searching Google and almost nothing. I searched on YouTube and back then was like five years ago, the Off the Left Eye channel was not like linked with Swedenborg. So I put Swedenborg, but Off the Left Eye uh, doesn't appear. And the moment that it appears, when, when you started to make the, uh, the program of Swedenborg of Life. And then I started to see it, I think it was like in 2014 or 2015. Uh, the first program that I watched was where you are reading the PDF of, uh, of Kevin and Hill. <laughs> so yeah. after this, I, uh, I I found the program and I, I continued to see you since uh, since then, like two or three years ago wow. already. Yeah. So that's way back <laughs> there, when it was just yeah, reading the PDF on the screen, I remember. Yeah, that. and, and that for, even that program Curtis, was so amazing for me. Even that program, as amazing as there are now where you are using technology and, uh, yeah. and a lot of software. But even, even back then, I was loving so much. Uh, so much that's as I am loving it right now. 
So you found Swedenborg all that time ago, and you said it was making an impact. But I'm wondering, what, what was it that made you want to stick with Swedenborg? What were some ideas of his that had an impact in your life? Uh, well, at the beginning, just uh, everything about understanding better uh, the, way, the ways of, of God like, not, doesn't make sense for me. At the beginning, this like, attracted me. But uh, uh, sometime before, the thing that I like so much about uh, Swedenborg and, uh, and, and keeps, keeps me very happy to, to keep reading and to, to see the programs every Monday. Uh, and this happens when, uh, when I start to see of the left eye because uh, I start to read Swedenborg and it's a little bit difficult. You, you don't understand a lot, a lot of things. And, but, but you explain it in a way that it's just uh, making, making make me understand it like more close, more, it's more familiar. Because Swedenborg told you like the facts but you are like, like uh, I don't know, making it more clearly for me, more, more like my language, because uh, Swedenborg language, like it's unrelated to English, of course, but I mean his language, like scientific, scientific language. And you make it like in a familiar language, like, like for people of these days. Yeah. And the thing that I understand uh, then when I start to see uh, the, the program, Swedenborg and Life program, is that um, I am able to understand better my life. Uh, I, am, I am better able to understand my life in the past, uh, my, my life right now, uh, because uh, the decisions that I make, uh, my, my feelings, how I feel like happy, I feel sad, like oh, everything is related to, to how we are, like our focus, our, our love, and uh, Sweden were like describing like the love, what, what is your ruling love, but you put it like very easy, like the thing that you care more about. Uh, so for this, for me, it's like, like, like more able, I am more able to understand it and, uh, and all this, uh, all, the, all, all this idea of Swedenborg that our life, uh, we, able, we are able to understand our life based on, on what we are focused, what we are caring about. If I am caring about myself, I will take this decision that will be harmful for me and they will, they will be harmful for my, the person that, I close, that are close to me. And uh, being able to understand uh, this uh, makes me have a completely different life. I can uh, like make a, a difference of how I was living before Swedenborg and uh, Makes a, definitely a, a, a before and, a, and after it. I am so, so, so happy uh, because of this. I take better decisions in my life. I am close, more close to the person that I, that I love. Uh, I am able to bring them better things. And this makes me, brings me so, so much happy. I enjoy my life so, so much, much more than, uh, than before. Just like leaving focus on, on myself. The thing that he describes as regeneration, like changing, changing your focus, changing your love to, to yourself, like to... So other people, and I think that this is like the, the best, like being able to understand uh, my life, uh, even, even be, being able to understand the life of the people that are close to me. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm so, so glad. And do you feel like people that are close to you have noticed a, a change in you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. People, uh, this is amazing. People say, and sometimes I am like, like scared to, to share this uh, with people. I only like share uh, these things because I have, I have like um, searched for uh, like new church uh, thing here in Mexico and almost no. So I am like a little bit like alone in, in, in my life in, in all this. Uh, so I am also very happy to see the, the program because this makes me not feel alone in this and uh, make it more familiar to me. And I just share with the, the, the closest persons to me, like what, what was, what, what changed my, my life. And, and they also enjoy it. And, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's so great to, that you feel like you're, you're part of the community here. We love having you. I see you in the, the chat a lot. So it's just great to have your, your voice in there and, and your participation. And, and thanks for taking the time to do this interview.
Yeah, I appreciate it. And always my question, you always answer it. And this is like surprising when my question pops and you answer it like in the programs. It's like amazing, amazing. Always make me, brings me a lot of happiness and joy. Thank you so much for, for everything. That was an awesome chat. It was. It was. So, it's just like a, it's amazing to think like yeah, this is going out over the internet and it makes a difference. People like it. They That's love it. So, so in the spirit of that, let's keep doing it for a couple more minutes here. So, okay. Great. So uh, thank thanks again um, for for that chat. And uh, we're doing the ice melter here. So this is the answer to the question in the beginning. Ah. What's a what the question? If you guys don't remember, what is one of Swedenborg's ideas that you'd want the whole world to know? Mm. Here's what the people had to say. God, okay, so here's what we'd like, love to megaphone out into the world. <laughs> God can only love us, Bonnie says. God That's does right. not send people to hell. Mm. The second coming is not what we've been told. I love it. Heaven and hell are states of mind. That's right. No one is thrown into hell. We all survive physical death and we live eternally and progress in heaven forever if we choose. Heaven is a state of mind that absolutely everyone can achieve and not just a select few oh, love elite. It. That's so great. It's all legit. Life goes on forever. You don't burn in hell forever. Negativity and hate feeds demons and makes them stronger. Yes, that's right. It's not as hard to get into heaven as most think. Mm -hmm. The importance of repentance, mm. being in charge in order to be useful versus selfish love for power, right? And the distinction. Yes, that's a good one. God is incapable of implementing punishment. Right, that that's just not God's thing. There is another side. We survive our death and live in heaven. We are guided by angels in heaven more than we realize. Coincidence is more divine than our minds can accept. <laughs> hell isn't automatic. No matter your past, you have a chance to be redeemed and you will have help in making it to heaven. Hope for all. That's right. There is a reality behind the reality, and it is in constant communication Man, these are with us. Really great. It's awesome. It's awesome. The scriptures has more to it than what we read on the surface, and you could break it down to your own personal life and what relates to you on an individualized, personal That's right. level. Mm. So we've got all these ideas that people think are going to help the world. We've seen people having it help them, so we got to keep doing it. In the That's spirit right. of that, we're going to have, have another show next week we've just made that decision here in the studio <laughs> thanks so much everyone for watching this one and uh, thanks dr jonathan rose for coming such a pleasure please like and subscribe because the next person searching for this show on the internet might only find them because our analytics get better and better the more that this stuff happens if you want to make this programming possible and able to continue consider joining us on patreon you can sign up here as just a dollar per episode and if you do that as a little thank you we just give you some behind the scenes sort of like okay hey, here's how we did this and here's an extra thought that didn't make it into the show just a little thanks from us to you to for making this all possible and like i said it's going to continue next week regardless of whether you sign up for patreon or not <laughs> we're going to do <laughs> so we've been redefining everything including mm. uh the church and next week we're going to look at marriage love mm. or conjugal love as we is it sometimes translated what's that all about what is the what is the potential for romantic type love and, and what can it do and again it's always going to be interesting when swedenborg is involved okay everyone thanks very much <laughs> we'll talk to you then Swedenborg in Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle,
Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.